And I put 500 as like the numerical. I understand that that is like more than one word, but we are. That's how it's spelled in the movie, the the poster, the movie title. Exactly. I'm just going by movie grammar. Yeah. Okay. Mostly movie grammar. Movie poster grammar. Mostly movie grammar. Exactly. Coming up on the first episode of John's Mostly Movie Podcast. Holy crap. Can't believe I'm saying that. Uh, We're going to be talking about Cherry with Tom Holland, directed by the Russo Brothers. Uh, First of all, thank you so much for joining us. Click subscribe if you haven't. I'm so excited just to be able to share this entire conversation, this podcast with you. Spider-Man is great in this. Those were the words out of my partner's mouth the day after watching Cherry, starring Tom Holland. Now, she isn't wrong by any means. Tom Holland delivers a great dynamic performance showcasing his range as an actor. Cherry delivers a very unique film that visually is very pleasing to the eye. Now, does that mean this film is worth your time? Well, let's jump in and find out. Joining me today to discuss Cherry, I've got Becky Grace Kalman. That's me. Nick Edwards. Hello. And putting it all together, producer James. Salutations. Thank you for joining John's Mostly Movie Podcast. Um, real quick, before we get too far into it, if you haven't seen the movie Cherry and you're just here to listen and support, thank you so much. This is a huge spoiler alert going forward. We are not responsible for spoiling the movie for you. This is your spoiler alert waiver that you are signing by not stopping the podcast. Um, so if you are going forward, that means you agree. Uh, Becky, what is this right now? This is the what? John's Mostly Movie Podcast? Well, yes, but it's also the spoiler alert, correct? Yes. Nick, what is this? Uh, spoiler alert? Yeah. Producer James? Yeah, spoilers for uh, Sherry. Which you can watch on Apple TV. Yeah, which you can catch on Apple TV+. Plus. All right, let's go into Initial Thoughts Campfire. Initial Thoughts Campfire, we're just going to kind of touch upon our thoughts on the movie, a little just overview before really diving into it. All right, first we're going to start with five words or less. I'm going to go around, and you're going to give me your thoughts on the movie, and you're going to condense it to five words or less. Um, Let's go with Becky first. Becky, take it away. Spider-Man is awesome in this. Funny. Like you were the partner that said that. I just want everyone to know credit has to be given where credit is due. That was my line. I said that this morning. Is that the five words? Because that's five words right there. It was wrong then, it was wrong now. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. But Nick, uh, your five words. Uh, too long doesn't understand subtlety. I love it. I love it. Uh, producer James. Uh, nobody should do heroin. That's only four words. He beats us in only four. Really, nobody should do heroin. (laughs) (laughs) Nick, I'm going to start up with you to follow up on your five words or less. I'm going to give you the expand on that um, poor favor. What were your five? Oh. um, You invented this segment. You don't have some. 
isn't 500 Days of Summer. Accurate. And I will elaborate on that. Um, Nick, let's go ahead and go with your follow-up. Talk to me, buddy, because it sounds like you love this movie so much. He's very believable with the teenager in love stuff. Mm -hmm. I agree. And in some of the army stuff, but like when he's, I'm so PTSD that I can't get a good night's sleep and then get seriously addicted to drugs. It's, it felt like a kid playing pretend as opposed to an actor conveying real life. And I don't think Tom Holland is bad. I think he needs a little more experience before he takes on something where the, his character is supposed to be the glue that holds these different genres of chapters together. But like, anyway. Uh, Becky, real quick. You want to elaborate on your initial thoughts onto it? Spider-Man was great on this. I love Tom Holland. I love Spider-Man. And I believed him throughout the movie. I um, actually loved the fact that he is green and that contrast of like what we expect from someone who's getting into this kind of trouble paired with someone who by looking at him you would never think is going through that. I It worked well for me. Like I was on board 100%. So that's why this morning when John and I were talking about the film, I was like, yeah, Spider-Man is great in this. And I just wanted everyone to know that that's what I, I said that. Initial thoughts, uh, when I said this isn't 500 Days of Summer, a lot of the editing and everything to it, I really enjoyed at the beginning part of the movie. With the length of the movie, and we can get into that because it is long, those like kind of magical transitions and the beautiful framing, it, it kind of got old because it can only hold the movie for so long. And towards the end of the movie, if the last act felt like it dragged. Well, let's get into it on kind of some positives and not. So we're going to play a little game because we're around the initial thought campfire called Marshmallows and Weenies. So I'm going to bring three different, I'm going to bring out different points and you're going to tell me if this is a marshmallow for you, which is a positive point because I love s'mores or a weenie which is maybe not so positive. We're just going to say it's a weenie, and it goes on the weenie roast. I prefer savory. You prefer <laughs> Wait, is it a vegan weenie or, a not, or not vegan? These are all dietary considered <laughs> items here. So if you're a vegan, you get vegan weenies and vegan marshmallows. And if you like savory, they're savory marshmallows and non-savory weenies. So that's why they're a I roast. don't know how I feel about a savory marshmallow. <laughs> I might have to go on a kitchen journey later. <laughs> <laughs> to find the savory marshmallow. I feel like the right combination of herbs and spices, you might, <laughs> you might have something there. Uh, Nick, I'm going to start with you. So first, is it a marshmallow or is it a weenie? Tom Holland. And we can go overall. You, we, can go, you, we can touch on his acting. Uh, were you able to look beyond him being Spider-Man in this? Was that a hard thing, or did some aspects take it out? Like, um, I was trying, but it was quite difficult, um, especially when he has to do something especially R-rated, like hearing Spider-Man say fuck or masturbate. Like, it's just... It's... Or seeing Spider-Man masturbate. Yeah, it, it just it wasn't... It took me out of it. 
is just again like little kid playing grown up instead of film portraying young guy going through life's hardships and like it, it was it was hard for me to disassociate that and and I think Tom Holland has the potential to do such a thing but going straight from Disney Spider-Man to bank robbing heroin addict slash PTSD soldier slash terrible bartender like <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> wait can we uh, I'm gonna have to I gotta rewind on that because I agree <laughs> with everything and I follow your reasoning terrible bartender you never get high on your own supply okay that's fair 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 also that man was clearly being overserved and should not have driven home. No, and I never saw him again. Oh, well, he died. <laughs> yeah, that's what I got from it. Yeah, so from what his experience is in general, he was he was biting off more than he can chew because he trusted the Russos, and uh, that, that trust was unfounded. So uh, it was a weenie. Oh, my God, I was about to say, dare I ask, is this a weenie? Okay, so we got a weenie. Becky. I'm going to throw a marshmallow onto the campfire. I loved Tom Holland in this. Uh, I think I said this earlier. I had no problem not seeing him as Spider-Man. I think, but now that I'm thinking back to it, like I'm thinking about Daniel Radcliffe and seeing him in uh, How to Succeed in Music Without, How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying, which was a Broadway musical that he starred in after having been Harry Potter for my entire childhood into adult, early adult life. And I had no problem seeing him as the character in that either. Like I, I trust actors and it is, not, it is never an actor's fault that we have trouble, that we have trouble seeing him as somebody else. It is not the actor's fault. Like if, yeah, he's, he is Spider-Man. And Tom Holland will always, when I think of Spider-Man, Tom Holland will always be Spider-Man to me. But it is my job, I think, if he's doing a good job, which I believe he did do a good job for this film, then it is my job to forget about Spider-Man. It's actually his job to make you forget about it. He's getting paid millions of dollars to do so. Also, Tobey Maguire's somewhere crying. Well, no, but I'm saying if, if he's doing a good job, if he's doing a good job in the movie then I have to put my own expectations aside. And I believed him in this. So that's what I'm saying is I, it is my job then to forget about Spider-Man. If he was just going through the motions and was like actively playing Spider-Man as a heroin addict, then that's a different story. But he wasn't. For me, he wasn't. He wasn't doing that at all. You can even throw some chocolate and graham cracker into my marshmallow mix. Make it a full-on s'more. Whoa, 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 whoa. We're not throwing... Who, who throws graham cracker and chocolate into the campfire? That is just asking for danger. Uh, you're not getting those back. Yeah, those are going to the fire. I think you're also supposed to throw in some Oxycontin, I think, in this context. I agree and disagree with both of you. Um, I agree. I, there were aspects of it. Tom Holland at the beginning, in when he was in college and part one, uh, part one and part two... Or actually, you know what? Let me say everything up until he gets back home. I was sold in, especially Tom Holland in college, dealing with like college um, problems, so to speak, in this type of format, which 
the quick editing and kind of cuts and the way that you're seeing a visual representation of what's going on in the mind of the character, I really enjoyed it and it did remind me of 500 Days of Summer. And I like that. To Nick's point, though, the back half of it, of him doing a lot of R-rated stuff, um, it, there was, it was hard for me to buy in from time to time. Mostly for me, not because of Spider-Man, but because it looked like I was watching high school theater. And I'm like watching my brother up there uh, and his play, and he's playing a doctor, but I know he's not a doctor yet, but he's going to play that 45-year-old doctor, 30-year-old doctor, which it's, which it's weird because he wasn't playing anybody that much older than him in real life, but he just has such a baby face that it looked that way. But all things said and done, I don't think it's Tom Holland's fault fully, so I'm going to throw a marshmallow on for Tom Holland. Is your brother in theater? No. Uh, well, he's in theater class. Just trying to see if he's going to follow in your footsteps. Yeah, he, no, no, he's taking acting. He's taking acting. He is. He's doing that in piano. Much more creative than I was. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Uh, James, was it a, a marshmallow or a weenie for you? Tom Holland. I think that, John, your... Uh your thoughts on the matter fall pretty well exactly in line with what I was going to say in that uh, the, the tail end of the movie, uh, especially the bits of him in, in prison uh, or the, the last bit at the end, getting out uh, and then seeing his, his wife who now is wearing a cardigan. Uh, so we infer that she is also older. Uh, that's, that's a movie making thing that like, Either you, you put whatever amount of budget into uh, makeup and making people actually look uh, believably older or have ridiculous uh, CG. But um, yeah, I, I, wanna, I want to award the, the good job that he did for most of the, the movie and also acknowledge like... I don't know, like, if it's a, a marshmallow that I can stick a hot dog through or a weenie through. It's that savory marshmallow. It's a qualified marshmallow. Like, it's there. <laughs> it's good. There's also a little bit of weenie. Oh, God. Uh, oh. It's that savory marshmallow that I'm shooting for. Okay. I'm, I'm going to go do experiments. This is a disgusting cat flyer. <laughs> the savory marshmallow. All right, let's move on to our next point. Um, marshmallow or weenie breaking of the fourth wall so we were introduced very quickly into the beginning of the film Tom Holland's character Cherry breaking the fourth wall and I say Cherry because they never really gave him a quote character name and in all billing and credit that's what his character is titled so we have the fourth wall breaking of the fourth wall both visually and through voiceover did it work um, Becky, I'm going to start with you. We're going to fl flip into this. Um, breaking of the fourth wall. What are your thoughts onto it? And I am so excited to go first. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed the use of both the voiceover and the actual visual talking to the camera. I wish that they had continued with the camera talking throughout the entire film because especially as they're introducing us to the characters in the beginning, it like really worked for me like to get to meet these people, to get to meet him and get to know him and to like him as a character. 
And then at some point it stopped and I wish that it had continued. So I'm going to say marshmallow, but there's like a, a small snippet of weenie for why did it go away? I'm sorry if I've ruined this game. <laughs> you have. Well, it's more so that when we go to a campfire, we're going to be thinking of savory marshmallows. <gasps> Ugh. Okay, so it's it's a marshmallow. So are you saying it's a savory marshmallow? Only because it, it went away at some point. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with, I w- would agree with that. Nick? Um, uh, hard, hard weenie. Yeah. Um, Is this an uncooked overcooked. weenie? Or overcooked? It, it, it was inconsistent in how much it was done. And at first it was overdone and then it disappears and uh i feel like they were trying to give you an edgy we're kind of like fight club check this shit out isn't it edgy isn't it cool the word cock holster is blazing right there in the screen i, I spelled it out for you so you can see the whole thing Are, aren't we cool guys take a look at this <laughs> and like um no you weren't uh, it was, and again, it, there's no point. If it was this movie was a satire, that that would be welcome, but it's not. It's supposed to be serious, and it just took me out of it. It didn't do anything to make the movie better. It was just there because they could do it, and uh, it was overly placed to be shocking for shock's sake, and it did not belong. So it is weenied. Yeah, this is definitely a weenie for me. Only because, I agree, I was in love with it at the start of the film. And if you stuck with it and stayed consistent, not only do I think it could have shaped the film and been, because in all different aspects of the film, whatever the story was telling, the film's cinematography and the way also the film was being presented catered to that. And so... I do feel that this consistency of uh, breaking the fourth wall, sticking with it, talking to the audience, giving automatically the audience your internal bias into each character introduction, I thought that would have been brilliant and would have stuck with the whole theme of the movie, but it does feel like they kind of gave up on it. It felt like it went strong, and it was just an idea that got forgotten because of all the other things they were trying to put together. So it's a weenie for me. Producer James? I am reminded of the first episode of the second season of House of Cards, uh, which is a series Mm. in which uh, Kevin Spacey's character routinely breaks the fourth wall and and talks to the audience about whatever's happening and adds a nice sort of running commentary way of seeing inside his head and what he's thinking about during whatever conversation. And then the second season comes around and the premiere... Uh, happens and it never comes up until the the final scene as uh, Kevin Spacey's character is like I believe washing his hands and looks up in a mirror and makes eye contact with the the camera and says oh you didn't think I forgot about you did you no I'm still here I just I and and was a thing that like oh yes cool I was expecting this and thinking about the movie that I just watched now if in that that last bit of the movie where it was just a half hour of watching him 
being destroyed by this addiction and and a lot of scenes of him laying on a couch or laying in a bathtub if at some point after an hour and a half of this movie where we haven't seen a lot of that because that was used more in the first act or the the second and third parts i guess uh if he had then turned to look at the camera and started talking normally or in some sort of slurry this is what my my inner dialogue sounds like at the moment like that would have been really cool that would have been a payoff this didn't have that payoff this this as nick said uh used it in the way that fight club would uh, in the same way that the text flashing up on screen which the russo brothers are big fans of big text on screen uh they love them and that was a thing that was only a a momentary stylistic choice for a few scenes that didn't actually culminate into anything and uh, i don't know if that's uh, necessarily a thing given whatever their vision of the movie was uh that we should uh, decry them for but i i would have liked to seen them actually do something with that uh as opposed to it come and go weenie 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 all right i'm gonna go a speed round on this one um, i'm sorry i'm gonna trim so much out of all this <laughs> you're you're all good and this is this is yeah this is actually pretty easy so that's why it's all the length of the movie so the movie clocks in at two hours and about 36 minutes. And I was just curious to see, because it feels like every Russo brother clocks in at around that time, their movie. And if it, you have to go back to 2005, me, you, and Dupree to find a movie that the Russo brothers directed that clocked under two hours. And that movie clocks at about an hour and 50, just there. They love their movies and as far as lengthwise they love putting in a fourth and fifth act um, sometimes it works captain america winter soldier you could put six or seven acts into there because that thing was fucking brilliant but cherry two hours and 36 minutes marshmallow or weenie nick hard weenie hard weenie too long and it, it, not only was it too long, it felt long. I felt every minute of it. And uh, with the only the reason superhero movies and shit are allowed to be long is because everything's happening really quick, and there's a lot of uh, flash that's supposed to take you out of the uncomfortability with the fact that you've, you've been sitting there for a long time, and that this was a movie that was supposed to have substance instead of flash and they kept a lot of that superhero flash and superhero length and the problem is i wasn't getting superhero treatment i was getting very slow painful sad treatment and and it just and i didn't even feel uncomfortable more more than i felt bored <laughs> so it's weenied Becky marshmallow or weenie marshmallow it didn't bother me <laughs> 
I really had to think about it for a second. <laughs> Maybe they could have shaved off 10, 15 minutes, but I did not find myself getting bored. In fact, at the end, after they show her face, after they show Emily's face, I was like, that's it? What happens next to the characters? I want to know what happens next. Like, you could have given me a three-hour movie. I probably would have been fine. <laughs> My goodness. Jerry sells the, the rights to his life. Uh, and he gets a million dollars. That's what happens next. Is that a Forrest Gump 2 reference? No, that's a, what happened to the guy who wrote the book reference. Yeah. This has to be a weenie for me because there was a part where in the middle of the movie, Tofu had to go out and we paused it and we had probably about 45 minutes left. And in my mind, I'm like, we do? Because it felt like the movie could end and wrap up within five to ten minutes and it would work and probably be better. The last half, if if a movie is two plus hours and in mentally I'm just like wanting to get to the finish line and the last half of it there's so many slow motion tracking shots, shoot me now. Ugh. The pain. The pain. It's just, it'd be different also if those slow motion tracking shots were something that is even better to see in a slow motion dynamic to kind of catch the detail. But no, it was just the usual of what we had been seeing in the movie prior. Um, so this is, a, this is a weenie for me. I think similarly, uh, it's, it's fascinating that these two guys have had such monumental success in, in filmmaking, uh, having uh, directed a number of very large, complicated, and incredibly successful movies. And it seems like they took what they learned from making Avengers movies and tried to use that format and storytelling structure to tell a story about a guy from Cleveland. And it doesn't gel as well when the... The, the stakes are more personal. The stakes are so much more personal, and also uh, the the part that that felt long for me, and and I imagine probably for John also, uh, the sequence of him just being miserable and and going through a heroin withdrawal for so much like that. It's one thing if your movie is two and a half hours and it's. Uh, romp through space with a big superhero fight every half hour just to keep things interesting uh, but it's something else when it's 45 minutes of and I, I don't know if it is actually 45 minutes but a lot of an actor uh, trying very hard to look like he's very uncomfortable and as a result I am very uncomfortable actually you know what I would cut because as a, a viewer of film I know what taking heroin looks like i don't ever need to see a character do heroin again and this movie shows it 950 times all real needles by the way in production they were using real needles uh, 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 uh. no wait so james was that a weenie it was a weenie right yeah yeah uh let's go ahead and we're gonna dive in to the movie. I mean, this movie puts it part by part, so we're going to go ahead and dive into that. Before, let's go ahead and take a break. Great, because I got to piss. Perfect. Go buy a mattress or whatever. I'm 23 years old, and... 
Sometimes I wonder if life was wasted on me. I take all the beautiful things to heart till I about die from it. This film's constructed into parts, so let's just go ahead and talk about those parts. Part one, we have when life was beginning. I saw you. In my opinion, this is uh, this is Tom Holland in college, and this is the part of the movie that shines the most. There, this is a movie in itself. This movie is the movie I want to see the rest of. So we started. I started Cherry, and part one. Oh, I have tofu here that just came in. Uh, part one, we have this film, Tom Holland in college, all the stuff, and that movie changed back to a different movie because after that, it was like, and it made me question also. Uh, there's a part where Tom Holland tells Emily, I love you, and she responds, thank you. If she had responded, I love you too, the movie doesn't happen, does it? That's the end of the movie. That's the end. That's one of my favorite games to play. How to, I usually do it with musical theater, like with shows, but how to end the movie quickly, you know? So for example, in in Annie, you know, she sings uh, Maybe, and then her parents show up, show's over (laughs) with this it's i love you i love you too end of movie directed by anthony and joe russo (laughs) Uh, part one in the college they have the uh ecstasy they have there's just a lot of different parts into this um but i do feel like all the editing the framing the color correction all shined within this part because it was all the first time we were seeing it in the context of the movie. But as we've discussed previously, it doesn't really hold on moving forward. Um, Nick, for you, how was the effectiveness of the, or, you know, the first part? Including the prologue and the first part, I was immediately put off by the fight clubby Holden Caulfield talking to you. I don't, I don't know what people, how people are with, what, what, what are people like? And uh, it's already pretentious. He monologues about trees. Yeah. And I loved that part because I love trees. I totally got it. I was like, yes, I'm with you. I get it. In in the world, I just imagine both Becky and Nick watching this at the same time. And as that monologue happens, (laughs) Becky's just like sitting there smiling. And Nick's just like. Just. Surrounded by my 40-somewhat houseplants, being like, mm-hmm, yes, talk about trees, please. Yeah, trees are fine. <laughs> That's, that wasn't what I was taking away from the monologue. And, and, but, like, the worst part is, is, like, I immediately disliked it. And, like, after the end of the movie, I was like, oh, this is the best part of the film. See, I feel like, because the first, the very first scene that we see is the bank robbery, right? Right. Is the last bank robbery. And then it goes back and it's like, okay, sort of explains how we got to this point. For me, it was like, okay, we see this character doing this thing that we all know is bad. Like robbing banks is a crime, whatever. And then it goes back in time and you sort of meet these characters in an adorable, meet cute kind of way. And the use of the talking directly to the audience, I was like, oh, I dig. They're trying to get me on board to like a guy that's robbing banks with a gun. Like, I, it, was a, it was effective for me in that sense. And they are just so freaking adorable. Like, Tom Holland with the glasses and, and Emily with the little 
the little ribbon around her neck. Like, just the cutest. I agree. I think they're both effective in that. They are. They got the two youngest looking actors in the world to play people we're watching. I mean, there are moments oh. where they looked. They looked very young. Yeah. That even looked borderline high school theater. It looked like high schoolers playing college. And, 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 when, and when it cuts to oh yeah, her describing her trauma, it's like literally a theater stage. Yeah. And um, and I didn't need the effect of mm. color to sh- to convey drugs because they did it for that. They did it. I think for the the heroin one of the times, like mm-hmm. I think that is a crutch as opposed to a visual tool that they didn't trust the actors to convey, oh I'm high. And they oh well we'll he wasn't doing that good of a job. We're gonna we're, they'll know he's high because we're gonna fuck with the color and that's how it felt. I took it as a this is the way the this is the world through the character's eyes. But I don't need to see that if Tom Holland is already showing that he's high. Wait, I'm not so like uh, what? <laughs> it, it, Nick's saying that it could have Tom Holland could have been the anchor for knowing that the character is high. We might not have needed the desaturation and the oversaturation of colors within the ecstasy scene. To convey that, that it, all of that could have been left to Tom Holland to convey through his acting. Right. I'm not disagreeing on that point. I'm saying when the I saw it as when the camera was showing the world in a distorted color or whatever, it was like saying the camera is Tom, is Cherry's eyes. Like that is what he is seeing because he's on drugs. So it's seeing the world through his point of view as opposed to the audience watching a character from the outside and his behavior. You know what I mean? That's exactly my point. I'm agreeing with you 100%. Oh, okay. But I love when this happens. But they didn't have to. I'd rather see Tom Holland be high. During uh, Basic, as he was going through his uh, physical and, and medical... Uh, <laughs> no? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, sorry. We'll get to so sorry. Talking club. Was, talking sorry. club. You can't talk about... It was just a... <laughs> it was, Give me your soup. I was, Give me your hot I dog was, soup. As I was talking forward ahead... <laughs> In reference to color, because that was the topic at the moment, uh, during uh, his intake, uh, he someone tells him that he is colorblind. And he's like, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Well, let's just jump right. I think that's a good pr- place to jump off. James, as you alluded to, part two of this film is called Basic because he does enlist in the army after having his heart kicked in by Emily, who... This is just what happens with miscommunication in relationships and not actually talking out what you need to. People sign up for the army on a whim. And he did. So we're put into basic. We learn he's colorblind. The Russo brothers show us that through desaturization and altered of colors, but also it doesn't stay through the entire film. And that seems to be a little bit of a theme on this is maybe no, no follow through, no follow through onto it. But then, we get them in basic training. And for me, the theme of all that was dick with ears. Because that's, that's what I got from them, is them calling them dick with ears. But the editing in this part, to me, did shine, showing through a sped-up version of basic training. And that worked, going boom, boom, here, 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 here. Because I'm sure... 
It's because they're emulating better movies. Yeah. <laughs> that is true. It was very much full metal jacket. They, they, they even frame it the same. Like, <laughs> yeah, so they're using a template, which is why this comes off a little dear. The part I have to, we got to talk about pause and highlight is the medical company cheer. I thought it was a bad cheer. I didn't care for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why are, we, why are we talking about this? I think he wants to bring up the, uh, the actor who, I think that's why he wants to talk about it. I didn't even realize that it was Damon Wayans Jr. Like I caught Thomas Lennon as a, a doctor in the movie, but, but I, I didn't even realize it was Damon Wayans Jr. That's exactly why I wanted to bring it up. But yeah, it, he kind of, he sneaks into there and then finding an excuse to make Tom Holland do the robot who Tom Holland has sweet dance moves. I guess we should also mention that uh, Damon Wayans Jr., his dad is Damon Wayans, who is Major Payne. All right. All, all in all, I, with him sneaking in there, I would have expected it to be funnier. This whole section was just, for me, was so heartbreaking. Part three, I was Cherry. Like, or was basic heartbreaking? Oh, well, no. The basic training section was like, oh, is really? this real? And granted, I don't watch army movies. So, and and I don't really, yeah, I, I don't do my research on what basic <laughs> training is actually like. So, so it was an educational experience perhaps for me. But I was like, is this really what this shit is like? Like, this is so fucked up. Like, we know war is fucked up. But is, but I was kind of I don't know I was like what the what 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 pretty realistic why is this oh my god yeah with all this going on I wish we would have seen some female soldiers during this portion I had that thought too I was like where are all the girls where are all the women I also don't know what the military breakdown was like though in the early 2000s that's true mind you I know there was female uh, soldiers we saw female soldiers in the movie. They just we didn't see any in basic. And like, I would like to see if they're dicks with ears as well. Like, I I, I want to know like how because it's gonna be this macho toxic masculinity stuff. Like, is rough for guys. It's got to be rough for women. And absolutely. I mean, except they get it outside of basic training. They just get it, unfortunately, all over the world. Do women in real life? Do women and men train together? I have no idea. Oh, right, I know. Okay. They serve together. They'd have to train together. I mean, like, why would you keep them separate and then throw them in the shit together afterward? Perhaps one of our listeners uh, knows an answer. Is a veteran. Yeah, if you do, send us an email. We can also just Google it, but it's way more interesting to hear from you. We can't Google that. Part three, we go into Cherry. Their, quote, Cherry being popped, them going into battle, having to put the guts of one of the soldiers back in Tom Holland's rushed into it, which for me in this, in the scene specifically when he's first introduced into battle, I thought his portrayal of it was great because it was a very hard pivot on him being the young dopey eyed boy into all this and his fear and adrenaline through the entire process. I did go along with it. I did feel that. And it, was an effective part of it and the tone shift as far as him you know you start to kind of see these events 
be implemented into trauma or these traumatic events become his own trauma. It worked. It just didn't feel like that trauma, the development of it, it didn't feel like that lasted through it. But it was, in my opinion, a very effective scene, specifically also with the introduction of Private Jimenez, his friend through medical training who's joining the army because he knocked up his girlfriend and married after their first, when their cherries popped, they catch them in the shower and he cannot get the blood off of his wedding ring, kind of bringing a little bit of attention to that. Um, Ultimately, that being the downfall when they reference after his troop is uh, their cars, uh, I guess it hits a mine or a grenade, but the whole uh, car goes up in flames. There was a scene, one of the, the several scenes when they're driving through uh, an area where there are civilians uh, and a group of children come up to the Humvee. I believe there were like two or three scenes like that. And in one of them, there was a shot of uh, Cherry sitting in the back of this Humvee with the kids in front of him. And it looked like there was somebody walking up towards the Humvee behind him. And I was expecting, like, oh, he's going to turn around and realize that somebody's getting in the car behind him. Like, somebody opened that that door. It looked like somebody was right there. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the movie never acknowledged. I don't know if that was supposed to be someone planting something on the Humvee or Mm. if it was an unexploded uh, landmine that they ran over, but some sort of Mm. explosive device. Uh, Yeah. Oh, interesting. I didn't even catch that. Yeah. Like I say, I may have that may have just been an extra that uh, wasn't intended to be plot. Got in the wrong place at the wrong time. But while I was watching it, I was I was wrapped like, oh no, what's going to happen? Oh, they drove away. Oh, okay, okay, maybe everything's okay. And then later, uh, one of those hmm. hummers explodes. The first AD is trying to get the Russo brothers' attention. Hey, um, that that extra was late and all that. The Russo brothers. Tom Holland looks great in this. Nothing we can do about it now. <laughs> yeah, what were y'all's thoughts on the um, on part three, uh, the cherry being popped? The relationship between Cherry and Jimenez was wonderful. Was it like they're, the scene where they're in the two little cots and it it cuts between like pieces of their conversation? They're t- they're I think they're playing a game of this or that. I think right. Something, Something like it. that. And it and it's very jarring cuts of them changing position. Their, their positions are changed and they're onto a new t- subject, conversation. I love that. It just needs to convey right. that there are multiple yeah. days. Right. Same shit. And then it makes it all that more heartbreaking when you realize and when Cherry realizes that his friend was in that vehicle that exploded. And he would have been in that vehicle, too. Exactly, he right. just drew the short straw, right. in a sense. There's the end of the movie. There it is. There's another end to the movie. He doesn't draw the short straw, and unfortunately... They all make it back alive. Um, that's a very morbid end to the movie. Oh, he doesn't draw... Oh, I thought you meant like they all, nobody gets in the vehicle, and the vehicle explodes. Never mind. I mean, that's a... <laughs> That's what would have happened if Disney Plus bought the rights to the movie, but it went to Apple. So, because when you think edgy, you think Apple. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I feel like the the Jimenez touch with the Lady Macbeth 
uh, can't get the blood out, is wasted if the character dies. We should follow him surviving, going back, and he's now like, oh, my mm. entire relationship is soiled because I have blood on my hands. Or, and we don't get to or, see that. Sherry is the one with the ring that has That's blood. That's what in. I was going to say. Would have worked because we, we go back and we see that his relationship is tarnished by the trauma that yes. he's carrying and can't share. Yes. Like, if you're going to have a character make that, that moment and, and struggle with that, again, it's a throwaway and it never pays off. They, they keep setting things up and never actually having a theme for the movie. Yeah, right? On to your point, James. You're giving the best transitions on this. We go into part four, home, where they are, welcome home. And we, I remember specifically, because I went back just to check and everything, we get a breaking of the fourth wall. So we still have the breaking of the fourth wall up into part four, and I'm thinking that it's part five in epilogue that they just, fuck it. We're just going to... But part four, we're introduced to this just big section, all the theme on PTSD. I hate doctors. <laughs> like... I'm assuming that he went to some sort of army vet hospital. That is that is kind of the gist I they don't really spe- specify, but I'm just I'm just going to make that assumption. And the fact that this freaking granted this is, you know, it was like the early 2000s, we didn't know any better, but like the fact that this guy just brings up, "Hey, have you ever heard of OxyContin?" Like are you fucking what we're not gonna send him to therapy we're not gonna like what what because it was the early 2000s this is this is the origin of the uh opioid epidemic like there was a period of time where doctors were highly incentivized to get all of their patients on this stuff and then oops a daisy it's a synthetic narcotic uh I know. It's just so infuriating. Doctor Whomever. Played by Thomas Lennon. A little uh, pop-up in there. It's so fucked up. Opioid epidemic. Yeah. If only the movie had more to say about the subject. But guess what? It kind of... Well, Tofu's given us his takes on it. He had a lot to say about part four. On the PTSD. Yeah, it's because you keep getting Oxycontin. Keep giving Oxycontin. No, I think he was making, and thank you, Tofu, we'll go ahead and go into that, how them, in part five, it is dope life, and they go into becoming dope fiends, including getting a dog and ignoring the dog, which we never (laughs) see the dog anymore. The dog is dead. No follow-through. No follow-through on the dog, which that feels, it feels like just the dope fiends made the movie because they had all these great ideas but they just continued to be dope fiends they had all these great ideas but they continued to not follow through on them i literally thought that was a time jump i thought oh and now we're uh, a couple years later and they've straightened out their life and got a dog like yeah the first bit on dope life that i want to touch on is when we're introduced to the character uh, pills and coke played by midsummer's jack renor um I knew I recognized him from somewhere, and so then when I went to his IMDb page, saw that he was in Midsommar, I was like, ah, it's that dude. Um, who's always, it seems like he's always getting uh, fucked over as far as, um, not the stuff he did, but like his death in the movie, it is kind of, one, we never get an indication why he was shot. 
how, when. I am so angry at that point. Um, that it's, I am so, so mad. At... Tom, <laughs> People tell just get shot at random. God damn it. Yeah, when? Does it happen in the bank? Does it happen after? Like wh- the, the, the only explanation is that he got shot with the ricochet mm-hmm. at the very... And that is the only explanation. Which also, like, he was hopped up on pills, so it makes sense that he wouldn't feel it mm. and would wander off and eventually as he's like coming down and starting to uh crash like oh wait actually bleeding out um we never found out yeah why he was actually shot you son of a bitch again setting things up and then not like uh following through when what two points real quick that i want to when pills and coke doesn't up the money but ask them to go along to find the safe and they get the safe, and they are trying to break the safe open. That whole sequence, it felt very much like theater to me, which is fine, because then the hard pivot after they get all the drugs to the morning after hangover, it was like, oh, yeah. There's a there's a big reminder that there's an actual reality, and that's where we go to the, I have a plan, quote, I have a gun. And he goes to rob the bank the first time. Can I just say, I love that transition. <laughs> I loved because from the trailer i knew that that was the thing that he did with the dollar bill and i was like patiently waiting for that to come up in this movie and it cuts right from i mean patiently waiting for that movie that you saw in the trailer because we still yes. hadn't seen it yet yeah i was like he goes i have a plan and then the next thing you see is the dollar bill and it's upside down it made me laugh i loved it everyone is shaking their head now it entertained me I'm nodding. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 effective, but it also is it 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 falls short because of the lead up to everything. Mind you, the lead up is like a two, an hour and forty five minute lead up, close to it. Um, Didn't fall short on this one. On this one, it was <laughs> at the right height. <laughs> it should be said also that he has to go rob a bank because. Uh, Pills and Coke started banging on their outside uh, door yelling that he was the police so they understandably freaked out and flushed all of the drugs and now owe uh, bad people a lot of money. On top of them taking however much. Yeah, but then they'd only have to rob half the bank. They they messed themselves up by doing that. This was a movie in itself so i talked about part one being its own movie part one was its own meet cute college film and tom holland shines in it this was the this was its own tom holland like hey hey agent tom holland talking to his agent i need to do something that separates me from spider-man just just for right now i'm feeling a little edgy i need to i need to separate myself from that image hey um we have this movie here just I'm just going to send you the third act of the script, okay? And you let me know if this is what you need. And that's that's what this act is. It's a huge dare commercial of Tom Holland being playing an adult. And I say adult loosely because I'm older than whatever the character that they're trying to portray in this, and I'm not an adult. You want to see Spider-Man do drugs? <laughs> that's going in the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... Um, you want to see Spider-Man do drugs. That's exactly. That's that's not the five words, but yeah, it's an elaborate dare commercial. 
And the thing is, a lot of these characters I enjoyed, and they have, if they had stuff to do, if this was an ensemble and we weren't just following Cherry, we could have gotten the other guy with PTSD, played by James Gandolfini's son. Yeah, shout out to him also. He was he was great. He only gets one extra scene beyond that. Like, and he was good. Uh, I didn't like the character of Lightfoot, but I understood his pain. If, if I got to see more of him, it would have worked out. I, I want to see where Cherry's parents. I, I want to see more of the girlfriend's parents. Like, I want to see more of the soldiers that survived with him. Like, there's a world here they're building. The, the, the title is called Cherry. They're trying to say that the world fucks you. And I'm not getting enough of that with this character. I, I need to see everybody get fucked by the banks, by the army, by the healthcare. There's so much to tell that they single out Tom Holland and force him to be the glue between all these stories and he, it just it breaks his back and I, I watch him try so so hard to to pull all these themes together on, on the weight of his own shoulders and it's just it doesn't work they just they needed this to be they needed to spread the weight on everybody they could if I mean if that means changing the script to being a fake autobiography of one guy to the world that we're watching then that would that should have been the call because this was just very uneven agreed uh the last part is the epilogue it dragged i don't think we have to, i think we've touched on everything into that it was a drag and if you're once i'm just going to reiterate could throw slow motion two hours into your film and the film is dragging i hate you for it i recall seeing a headline that someone crunched the numbers and figured out that 10 percent of justice league was slow motion footage uh i would be curious to know uh how many minutes of slow-mo footage are in cherry someone the russo brothers heard that statistic and replied, hold my beer. <laughs> Tofu, just as you were saying that, it was so well-timed, he did a big shake. He sure. got up off of the beanbag and did, planted it yep. and did, no, 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 big <laughs> shake. <laughs> so I think, I think he's, a, <laughs> he's expressing himself, saying no. Exactly. All right, we're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back and do some fun stuff. Finally. I have this noise in my head. It'll stop. One day it'll go quiet. I don't imagine that anyone goes in for a robbery if they're not in some kind of desperation. I've been at this a while now, and it's no secret what my face looks like. Get on the ground! The one thing about robbing banks is you're mostly robbing women, so the last thing you want to be is rude. Ma'am, it's nothing personal. Now back to the fun stuff. <laughs> okay, on John's Mostly Movie podcast, we like to play a game called Muppet the Movie. Um, what we do is we go through and we cast the movie as a Muppet movie. So everyone in the movie is a Muppet except for one character. Then what we do is we do the reverse Muppet, where we only pick one character to be a Muppet. And that character can be the main character. It could be not the main character. It's whichever. Choose wisely your Muppet. Those are the two options. So we're going to start, we're going to start with that. We're going to start with the Muppet onto it. Uh, for me, just because it would be very interesting... 
it's going to have to be the only human is Tom Holland and the rest of the film is a Muppet just because that will be interesting. That would hold my attention the entire way, something the movie didn't in its current state do fully. Where are you all at with your Muppet picks? It's hard to Muppet this movie because I definitely need a Muppet main character for this. I was going to say the same thing. I think that would be awesome to watch this character experience the, the, his life with Muppets. Oh, it says here on this clipboard, you're Muppet blind. <laughs> that explains a lot. Maybe we add a musical number or two. Also. But also then the war scenes all become him putting cotton back into oh, like Muppets and the stuffing and everything like that. Um, and then the dummies, instead of it being dummies, it's actual humans. Um, and that, instead of it just being medical dummies, it's actual human dummies. Well, Nick is deep in thought. I was going to say Emily. I just like the idea of her being this long-suffering wife trying to hold it together up to a point. Yeah. You were going to say Emily for yours? Make her Muppet relationship work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, if if not her, then for posterity, I'd give it to Black as the only human, because he's now even scarier, because... That's good. Yeah. He was going to be my reverse Muppet. Ah. I want Black to be the only Muppet in the movie. Let's go into reverse Muppet. Uh, For me, Damon Wayans Jr. is my reverse Muppet. As Drill Sergeant Master, or or no, uh, yeah, Drill Sergeant Master, I think is what uh, uh, he's billed as. Uh, but him showing up as a Muppet, he's just an easy character to Muppet. If he's just going to show up for one scene in a movie, he's going to be naturally my uh, Muppet pick. Nick, you had mentioned in a previous uh, podcast when we talked about Promising Young Woman, Bo Burnham being so easy to Muppet. I do feel like he falls into that same category of uh, easily Muppet characters. Um, Muppetable. Yeah, he's, he's just very felty. Muppetable. He's, just, he's got such a great comedic um, physicalization in everything that he does. <laughs> well, I gave uh, my what are y'all's reverse Muppets? Mine is black. <laughs> yeah, yours. You know, game His car has to be muppetized too. I don't know what that looks like, but it's a cardboard box with like uh, bicycle <laughs> wheels uh, affixed to the sides. Jimenez <laughs> is my reverse muppet. Oh, Jimenez being the reverse muppet. That's a good reverse muppet. That gets me. James, a reverse muppet. If I could pick one character. I I was going to say Emily, uh, and then I realized what would be better would be if the one human was Pills and Coke. Mm. Uh, So that the only only actual person in the movie is introduced wearing two polo shirts with their collars popped uh, (laughs) as just the... as currently one of the most ridiculous uh, characters in the movie... uh, also, just a fantastic title character as well. Not title character. Uh, character, character name. name. Character, character name. name. Pills and Coke. Well, I don't think that's his birth name. I think that's a nickname. <laughs> no, it's it's Mr. Coke. It's what his mommy named him. <laughs> Alternate universe casting. 
All right. Alternate universes exist. We acknowledge that at John's Mostly Movie Podcast. So there is another universe here where they're just doing John's Mostly Movie Podcast. But in this universe, well, we're going to take a peep into those other universes. So I'm going to let you all decide. In this alternate universe casting, you can pick to cast one of the following in your film with any character, either Meryl Streep or Nicolas Cage. Both have their pros and cons to casting them. Both have expectations that come along with casting them. I am picking Meryl Streep. I had a real, my initial idea was she's Emily's mom. But then I just had an idea. What if she's one of the drill sergeants? Because that I would like to see. Damn, now I want to see Nick Cage portray a drill sergeant. Uh, I was about to say, so for me, my pick is going to be Nicolas Cage portraying Pills and Coke. Oh. Ah, that would be good. Yeah. Or alternatively, if I had to pick Meryl Streep, Meryl Streep is black. Oh, shit. <gasps> but you'd have to see more of her because you don't really see any. No, I, d- I don't have to see more of her. It's Meryl Streep. That's all I need in that. Ah, but I wanna. I like Meryl. I gotta see your face. I do love the idea of Meryl Streep as Emily. <laughs> like with the Muppeting, you just don't acknowledge it. It's the movie that we watched, except this character is portrayed by a different actor. Look, they do it all the time with young actors having to get prosthetic makeup to be older. So with Meryl Streep, we just, it's Meryl Streep. We believe everything she's just that good of an actor that uh she says she's a a college freshman and she's uh going to a party to meet a boy you believe her i believe it nick first off i want it to be known that i don't like the limitations of this game We can choose from any alternate reality. I don't want to be stuck with just Meryl Streep and Nick Cage and just having to choose between one of them. These are the two poles on the opposite end of the bar of acting. I disagree with your gauge, is what I'm saying. We'll upgrade our quantum time machine to try to include more. I'm working on it. I'm, I'm, I'll build something better, okay? That being said, this whole movie as long as we're all making an alternate different version of this film to make it better ensemble like I was doing before and give everybody more to do and we give Nick Cage, Pills and Coke and Meryl Streep, Emily's Ma they're both in Mm, and everything's happening together, we're following James Lightfoot, we're following uh, Roy's cousin Joe, we're following the guy who owns the bar we get everybody and we see how everybody is constantly being fucked by just how the system works. And that would be good. And Meryl Streep and Nick Cage could both do go full tilt into their what they do normally. And it still works because the movie's so spread up. I don't have to choose one or the other in this particular film because they can both fit if they just broaden their horizon. 
So we're going to the alternate universe where they both fit into it and the movie's been expanded. I would definitely watch that film. I would too. Nick, you're hired. <laughs> well, he is the casting director in the alternate universe that has that. He's He made that decision for it and set the movie up for Oh, success. you're a casting director? Did you know I'm also an actor? Can I send you my demo reel? <laughs> All right, so we're going to wrap it up now with our rating. So here at John's Mostly Movie Podcast, others rate their movies by stars. We rate it by the star of our podcast, Our Dog Tofu. So we give every movie a scale of one to five tofus. Overall for me, Cherry had a lot of great ideas as far as for editing, cinematography, um, Tom Holland shines in his performance both as a college, uh, like, I don't know. What's the equivalent of an ingenue for a guy? Young leading man? Young leading man, I guess. Tom Holland shines into as a young leading man and transitions into a PTSD soldier, which works on some level, but also eh, kind of falls flat. Overall, the movie had great set up to ideas but poor follow through and it ran very long so with that i'm gonna give it two and a half tofus yeah. um, i enjoyed it but there are still moments where it just didn't <laughs> nick nick you're shocked it's so close to a three <laughs> so close just wait till you hear my rating oh i believe it uh, but two and a half tofus um, for me. Nick, your tofu rating on this film. They dropped a lot of balls. They're, they brought up a lot of stuff, and there was no follow-through to any of it. Uh, Tom Holland was overextending. And it was too much up its own ass. Um, this, this, this is only getting one and a half tofus. That's almost as much as I gave Barb and Star. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. Now I'm interested to know what the, your rating on this is. All right, Becky, what's the tofu rating? So this always happens, or not always, but frequently this happens where I watch a movie, I'm going to give it like four or five stars, and then I talk to you bitches, and <laughs> you bring up points that are not wrong, but did not bother me while I was watching the film. And so it's, it's hard for me to, like, upon first viewing, I would throw four stars at this film. I w- four tofus. Ah, oh, why do I always do that? Four tofus. Because you don't care about our son. It's his birthday. That is so. It, his birthday. It's his maybe birthday. It's his maybe birthday. It's his maybe, maybe and you birthday. maybe forgot about him. James, that's a timestamp right there. It's his maybe birthday, and you maybe forgot him. It's his maybe birthday. He has seven possible birthdays. <laughs> he's leaning, he's laying on the beanbag right now, looking at a toy that fell off like, you're so far away. A whole foot. Um, you can feel the neglect. You could feel it. It's, it's painful. So when all is said and done, I would go, I think I would go with three and a half baby star tofus i really did love it i don't disagree with a lot of what y'all are saying 
but I thoroughly enjoyed the movie and I would watch it again. Mm. Three and a half tofus. Producer James, tofu? I feel like I probably would fall in the two tofu uh, area. Uh, I there, there were a lot of parts I enjoyed. Uh, also didn't need to spend a whole act watching Tom Holland uh, inject himself with heroin. It, it brings down at least one tofu for that. All right. Two and a half tofus. Nick, one and a half tofus. Becky, three and a half tofus. James, two tofus. All right, that's going to do it for the first episode of John's Mostly Movie Podcast. Uh, let us know what you think. If you agree with our rating for Cherry, send us an email at emails at johnsmostlymoviepodcast.com. That's John without an H. Uh, even if you use an H, we have it all. We can redirect it. Uh, thanks to producer James. Uh, thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe. Also, rate us. Leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Tell some friends. Uh, next week, I'm going to be bringing you... There is the mostly in the title of John's Mostly Movie Podcast. So I'm going to be bringing you something called a mostly sewed. You'll see what it is. Keep an ear out. I'll let you know more about that. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Keeping it short as per the instructions. Jesus, was that shade? I think that was, yeah. (laughs) it was like half shade are you just mad that nick's bringing up more points than you that you just don't agree with because that's what it feels like (laughs) no i think nick is so smart (laughs) i think nick's smart and his points are great i just love tom holland (laughs) so do i that didn't fix it